Hello and welcome to Nerdium, the podcast that looks at the world around us, the problems that we face, and throws that all out the window to focus on the important things. Gaming, movies, comics, TV, and all the great things in our lives that make us the nerds that we are. I'm your host, Carrie, the Big Bald Nerd, and to my immediate left, the fearless leader of this podcast, the Superman, to my Batman, Matt. How are you doing today, Matt, on this, the very first episode of our podcast? Doing great, Carrie. Very excited to finally have episode one up and ready to go. We look forward to bringing you guys quality podcasting and fun discussions as we grow and develop. Our episode one is already better than others because we promise no Jar Jar and no terrible Jake Lloyd acting. Episode one's discussion is all about movie reboots and remakes. We'll dive into which ones worked, which ones didn't, and which movies they really need to keep their hands off of. This conversation could have easily lasted for hours, so we tried our best to keep it under control. So without further delay, let's kick this thing off. Make it so. We'll have a little segment called Nerd News. We'll explore things going on in nerd culture, things that involve comics, video games, movies, anything like that. So let's talk about a few things that are in the nerd news right now. The creators of Game of Thrones have announced that fans have to wait until next year to watch the eighth and final season. That's a long time to wait after how last season ended with the climatic crashing of the wall. Star Trek Discovery returns this Sunday, January 7th, after the mid-season finale left us wondering where the spore drive took Lorca and his crew. Maybe we'll finally get some clues as to what he's up to. The Gifted has been renewed for a second season on Fox. Also, after the controversial release of Bright on Netflix that had critics hating on it, but many fans loving it, Netflix has announced that a sequel has been confirmed. I, for one, am happy to hear this, and I'm looking forward to them filling in some of the awesome mythos in the world. And, after exciting announcement of Red Dead Redemption 2, there's possibly leaked news of a release date, June 8th, 2018. That's it for Nerd News. Now it's time to get to the discussion. Alright, so let's talk about remakes, reboots for movies. Talk about what works, what doesn't work. Good reasons to uh, remake, reboot. And uh, some of the good movies, some of the bad movies. Oh, we always have a list of good, bad movies. (laughs) Alright, so... uh, Let's talk about some of the uh, remakes and reboots that did work. I know uh, we were just talking about it. I was a big fan of the True Grit remake. Yeah. Didn't necessarily need to be remade. I think John Wayne killed it originally, but it was always good to see Jeff Bridges kill it as well. Yeah. I like a good, gritty, gritty Western. They don't really make them all too often, so it was a nice change up from, uh, from what we we're usually getting. Yeah. You know, long gone to the days where you're always getting the Westerns or the World War II movies. Now we're saving it from some terrorist organization or some horrible plague that's going to turn us into flesh eating zombies. So like along the same lines, like Magnificent Seven was a great. Uh, I thought it was a great remake. It was a beautiful remake. Uh, there's a lot of hate on it though, but I enjoyed it. Good uh, casting. I think sometimes a lot of the hate just comes from the nostalgia that. Yeah. We all like to hold on to and hold near and dear, but you yeah. know sometimes it's good to just put a fresh coat of paint on it. Yeah, there's certainly the uh, kind of the cult classics that uh, shouldn't be touched, um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, just to go over some uh, some of the good reasons I think to reboot 
if you're going to come up with a reboot or a remake is uh, say if you're changing the language such as uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series that is true Americanize it a little bit so that you don't have to read a movie um, another good reason is to uh, fix a bad original the original uh, Judge Dredd movie was stolen <laughs> a lot of cheese in that one but uh, yeah but remaking it with uh, Carl Urban there for Dredd you did like Tony Dread? I did like it. Yeah, they cleaned it up really, really nicely for yeah. me. It was uh, more of a linear plot, but it wasn't as uh, goofy. Well, I, if, if you ever read the comic books, like it was never supposed to be like a, a goofy comic book. I mean, they're, they're, they'd had its moments once in a while, but it was supposed to be like a pulp, sort of hard grit, not exactly something you'd give a 10-year-old to read, sort of yeah, exactly. dystopian future comic. It was never supposed to be a schlock fest that we got with Stallone. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, another good reason to uh, reboot or remake a movie is to modernize it. So take an older concept, kind of bring it back, make it new. Well, I know a lot of like some of the older movies, I mean, aside from changing some of the concepts and some of the ideas, right? Like Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider. Now he's bitten all over the time by a genetically engineered spider, right? Keep up with the times, keep up with the science. But yeah. I know in a lot of, a lot of our favorite classical movies there's like you said about the language cleanup there's usually if you look back at some of the movies the 80s 70s and 80s there's a little bit of language that doesn't exactly fly particularly too well in today's uh less than uh, <laughs> less than sensitive culture yeah movies have to kind of follow a little bit more of a pc line i guess these days well some of the movies in the 80s were awful rapey for for comedy classics yeah you know i know revenge of the nerds was one of those it's yeah. just one of those hmm not sure that was as consensual as it was supposed to be. <laughs> but for uh, modernizing some movies, like a bad example of that is the latest Robocop. Like I never saw the newest Robocop. I was I, I had a lot of friends that went down to see it and it was just kind of one of those I think they did it right the first time. Exactly, like it was done right the first time. It was kind of a high tech modern uh, idea back then. It didn't need to be modernized and give you this shiny sleek robocop so well that, that's just it and it was it was designed to be i mean i don't want to say it was designed to be ultra violent but it was the, the the idea of the story was the society had devolved into this ultra violent ultra desensitized world and that was what you needed to bring it back yeah you know i i understand the the draw for that you know you want that sleek stylish robot i mean we we would never design a robot nowadays that looked like a giant fridge there, there, there would be far more shape to it, but on the same token, I don't. Quite often with a lot of these remakes, I don't see anybody really lining up to say, "Hey, man, we really, really need to remake that one." Yeah, like you get a lot of studios that say, "Like, oh, this was successful last time. Let's do it yeah. again, and this time let's make it shiny." Yeah, the problem with that is that you're chasing lightning in a bottle. Yeah, right. It worked the first time. Do you really, you know, like? I, like yeah, you know, maybe changing the language, maybe cleaning it up looks really, really good. But on the same token, you can also overclean it. Yep. You know, you look at a lot of the Star Wars films, where you they they've constantly gone back and they've changed this or they've changed that, and it just it it starts to lose after a while that original uh, look that it had that made everybody drawn to it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There there was uh, I remember the first time I saw a remake of Return of the Jedi at the end song. It wasn't the Ewoks singing Yub Yub or whatever the heck they were singing. It was just that uh, melodramatic music in the background. It was completely antithetical to what was going on on the screen. 
Yeah. You know, it, 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 it was the music transition to somebody's heart being broken, not a giant celebration that a bunch of teddy bears just took out a huge civilization <laughs> of advanced science and robotics. Along that lines, uh, like overcleaning something, take for example, like John Carpenter's The Thing. They remade The Thing three times now. The original was the black and white one. And then yep. it went to John Carpenter. And then I think it was 2011 they released the new one. And what they're just going to try and do is make the effects look a little neater, mm. clean it up a little bit that way. But it kind of lost the uh, kind of the organic feel I felt that John Carpenter's The Thing had. Well, there's, there's, some, there's some charm when you do the old school creature feature, right? Like um, Ray Harrahausen did the old school 60s and 70s monster movies with like Godzilla and, or not Godzilla, King Kong and, and Clash, the original Clash of the Titans. And yeah, it doesn't look pretty. Yeah. Like it, it definitely doesn't hold up to what we can do with the computer today or, or animatronics or anything like that. But there, there, there's that initial draw that brought people to it. That, that's what makes these things cult classics, things that we all attach to. Yeah. You know, you, you can remove that which made it so good. You know, like you said, the organic feel of the thing. When you clean up the thing, you lose that weird, grotesque thing that, that, that we all went to the movie to see. Yep. You know, it then becomes something completely different than that original, uh, that original creature feature. Yeah. Um, have you seen uh, the movie The Void? I have not seen The Void. I keep, it's, it's one of those things of when I have time and yeah. I'm no longer a father, I can sit down and watch a list of movies that I will one day... <laughs> Be able to enjoy all of them, but The Void is actually on the list of free time watches. It's a yeah, it's a, a newer movie, but it takes back really far to like the John Carpenter thing. Mm. Like the things are kind of almost goofy looking uh, in the special effects, but it's kind of got that organic kind of soulful feel to it. Like mm. it's like a tangible thing. It's not a CG creature or anything like that. Like uh, you see, I always prefer a nice physical medium. Yeah, for the creatures, like it's. I want to know for a fact that the actors are seeing what's on there. Like, whenever you watch a movie where there's been too much CGI, you can start to tell if you look really, really close that that actor is not looking at that creature in the eye. He's not really seeing what's there, and there's there is something lost when you can't when you don't have that right in front of your face. And for along those lines, another bad remake is the Godzilla movie that. Starred Matthew Broderick. Back. Oh, Fat Godzilla. Yeah. No, not, no, the no, new no, one was yeah. Fat Godzilla. Yeah. Broderick was the uh, Lady Godzilla with the babies. and Yeah. And know. that was overly done with CG. You could tell, like, just... Oh, it wasn't even good CG either. Yeah. It was like 1990s CG. Poor lighting. Like, the city's dark, but Godzilla's fully illuminated. Oh, you know, but he's glowing. He's radioactive. That's why I had to keep telling myself. Uh, yeah. I actually, that, that, when that came out, because when I was a little kid, I was a big Godzilla freak. And I remember watching all the Japanese movies and I had a bunch of cassettes that God knows what happened to them now. And I remember walking to the theater that night because none of my friends would see it because they thought it looked ridiculous. I'm like, nah, but Godzilla, let's go see Godzilla. So I had to go see it by myself. <laughs> so I walked at least 45 minutes to the theater by myself and then walked 45 minutes home with a lot of time to reflect on what exactly I had seen. It was never a movie I ever saw again. No. Even when I see it on TV, I'm like, yep, bye. Yeah. It just Matthew Broderick couldn't pull off the acting in front of the, the CG there. Like you tell, he's not interacting with yeah. anything. Like big giant scary monster in front of you, and he's just playing Ferris Bueller. So <laughs> I don't know. He did. He did pull off the the man beret though. Yeah. Not everybody can pull it <laughs> off, but Broderick pulled off the man beret. Yeah, I guess the nineties were a different time. 
Fashion was a little different back then. Different's a good word. <laughs> yeah. Different, I mean, it's not quite the 80s, but different's a good word. <laughs> yeah. But along the lines of uh, kind of monster movies and all that, a good remake that I actually enjoyed, just to kind of jump back and forth between good and bad here, is uh, the Rob Zombie remakes of Halloween. You like those? I actually got, got right into those. Yeah. Like, I liked how they portrayed Mike Myers. Yeah. I... I was really disappointed when he killed Danny Trail. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised. I understand that's his character, but I'm like, man, if you just got to let anybody off the hook, just let Danny Trail off the hook, man. Like, they were... It was kind of a fresh take on it. I was kind of a little worried because they started exploring a lot of the background of Mike Myers. Yeah. And I thought that the original Halloween movies, even though they touched on it, part of it was you really didn't know where he necessarily came from how yeah. he grew up. Like, you knew roughly. Um... But the new ones that kind of started really exploring that, exploring his upbringing and even some of his kind of motivations to kind of go ahead and do what he's doing. Yeah. With like the whole hallucinating his mother and all that. So well, that, that was actually really, I, I remember watching that. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And I wasn't sure when that first came out how I would feel about it because I didn't see it until after I'd seen the reboot of Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the reboot of Friday the 13th, and I had seen the reboots of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm like, ah, these are all my favorite characters. What are they doing? Yeah. And then I then this one popped up. I'm like, all right, fine. You know what? I'm just going just gonna to bite the bullet. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to give it a chance. And I wasn't disappointed. Like, it wasn't, uh, I mean, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it still was really, really interesting how they handled everything. His, his, his affliction to his parents and his family and why he is the way he is. Yep. His affliction to hiding behind a mask and... And just, just the sheer, the, the, the actor that they got to play him, the sheer size of him is just, it, was, it, it, it attributed to why when you see Mike Myers, he's got that superhuman mm-hmm. look and feel about him, right? I mean, the guy was a monster. Yeah. Yeah, like normally with uh, like slasher movies, they don't try to get too much into character development. They kind of build to like the plot a little bit and then they kind of get into it. But uh, no, it was well done where they kind of explored him a little bit. Um, and just really kind of got in Mike Myers' head, which was actually pretty interesting. Like, I was concerned, too, mm-hmm. uh, at some points. But I like the pace of the movie. Uh, all the reasoning behind it was really well done. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I remember after watching the first one, going into bed right after and kept jolting out of <laughs> sleep because just of how disturbing some of it was. But, no, it was really well done. No, I liked, uh, I liked that one. There's... Every once in a while, you always do get that remake, and you always do get the reboot that actually, you know, puts that fresh coat, makes you feel good about it. You know, I remember with, uh, to get onto reboots, I remember the rebooted Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I left off Batman with Batman and Robin going, what the hell did they do to Batman? Yeah. You know, we, we went from this, like, gritty, dark, Tim Burton, Michael Keaton Batman, which just made my world, mm-hmm. and then we ended with... What we got from Schumacher and, and Clooney, I mean... Yeah, they started putting nipples on the bat suits, and that was kind of... You know what? The nipples didn't even bother me. I didn't even notice the nipples, and somebody pointed out and said, Hey, you know he's got nipples. And I was like, oh, shit, there's nipples. <laughs> but what killed me was that Alfred was laying in bed dying, and George Clooney as Bruce Wayne is sitting there talking to Alfred, and he cracks a smile. I'm like, why are you smiling, dude? Like, I'm not... <laughs> like, I, you, you don't have to be, like, breaking down and crying for me. But you, you you don't need to be smiling at the man that's dying. I don't think that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. But when uh, when they started doing the, the reboots, I mean, I think the third one kind of fell through a little bit for me. But uh, the first two just, like, smashed it. Yeah. Like, I loved every every second of both of those movies. Yeah. The uh, 
Dark Knight with uh, Heath Ledger as the Joker. Yeah. That was... I liked Heath Ledger as a Joker. Yeah. We should probably have a conversation another time as to who made the best Joker. That's true. But I am not... He's not my best Joker. No? I'm sticking... I gotta stick with Jack Nicholson. Okay. Yeah, we'll save that one for another time. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll, try, we'll try to keep as, as pleasant a conversation as we can. <laughs> yeah. We'll hide the uh, kitchen knives. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just lock <laughs> ourselves in a padded closet. We should be good to record that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, remaking Batman was good along those lines. Um, unfortunately, the Superman Returns kind of reboot to the Superman series was not as great. See, I enjoyed it, but I like dark and gritty anyway. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, little, I'm a little leaning to the darker... I like Dark and Green, but uh, Superman Returns, though, with Brandon Routh as Superman. Oh, that was brutal. No, no, that was, that yeah. was, that one, that one was brutal. I thought you were talking about the latest Superman. No. No, 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 no. no that one Man was, of Steel, so. That was another one that I ran to the theater all hopped up on nostalgia and excitement. And, well, you think, like, a big actor like Kevin Spacey would be able to uh, pull off a semi-decent Lex Luthor, but... Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of actors I look at and just like, nah, thank you for Lex Luthor. I mean, yeah. not that, I mean, Gene Hackman did a great job in the originals. He did. But I'm not sure that uh, uh, Kevin Spacey was the best for, for Luthor. No. I mean, it's, it, it seems that, that we keep taking like a weird, comedic, laugh take on, on Luthor, who really is a stern, calculating, cold businessman at heart. And it's, ah, I'm not sure they've gotten that right for me yet. No. Like, you could have had uh, other actors, like Mark Strong. Mm-hmm. That would have been a better... Like, if you're just going to try and get, like, a bald guy to play Lex Luthor, Mark Strong, or even, like, Jason, Jason Statham or something. like Somebody that's kind of more rough and... You... I, I think Jason Statham would do a good job. It says, I think his accent... I think his accent would kind of... Mark Strong's got his accent, too, but... I mean, I know there's a workaround. If anybody's ever watched Karen Gilliam in the uh, Gillian, excuse me, in the Gal- Gardens of the Galaxy, like she's got a strong accent, but you couldn't tell it when you're watching her on on screen. No. So I mean, there's always that workaround for accents. Yeah. But uh, I I, th- I think that would be an excellent pick for Luther. Yeah. Instead, we got Jesse Eisenberg, and he played a better Riddler in that movie than he did. Uh, uh, Lex I Luthor. didn't know what he was trying to play in that movie. Like I remember watching it and thinking, like, who who are you trying to be? Because it's it's not Luther. No. You know, I understand that their take was supposed to be this young tech wizard that's just on the top of his game, but I think it was really he he just I don't know if he was clowning for the camera. Like I, I just don't know, man. It was like a weird love child of the Joker, the Riddler with Lex Luthor's money. Yeah. And I just uh, I mean, there's a lot of holes in Batman versus Superman, but that was. Every time he was on screen, it would, it just took me out of the movie completely. Yeah, I can I, forgive a lot of that movie. Not sure I can I can forgive him. Yeah, kind of. He was the villain, but he somehow was the one that was adding kind of levity to the the like the scene. So yeah, and if anything, he should be making it more serious and kind of more foreboding. But said he went the other way, and it turned into a comedy fest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I've certain. Certain villains in certain movies should enter the screen, and you just blood, your blood wants to run cold when there's a villain on the screen. Yeah, you know, and, and what he was doing with with his take on Luther was just a, I don't know, it, it was even more of a comedy show than than uh, Lex Luthor in the original Superman with Gene Hackman. He had his his comedy sidekicks there, 
but at least they were his comedy sidekicks. You know, I understand, you know, good help is hard to find. But in this one, it was just him, and I don't think he could hold that role very well. No. Yeah. And uh, so other movies that kind of remakes and reboots didn't really work out. Uh, I was really excited when they announced that they were coming out with a Ghostbusters movie. Oh, that was a big heartbreak for me. And then... I was so pumped about that. And I wasn't upset. I know a lot of fans were upset when they said it was going to be an all-female cast. I said, it's a fresh take on it. Like, see how it goes. See what they can do with it. Um, watched it. It wasn't the worst movie ever. And it was a fairly... It was a decent comedy movie, but it wasn't a Ghostbuster movie. No. I I remember uh, when I heard about it, I was pumped about it because we'd been waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah. And then uh, I heard the cast and I thought, okay, I like a lot of them. The fact that it was... Just like you, the fact that it was all women really didn't bother me. Like, I... I really don't care what the ratio is as long as it's a good movie. I yeah. really just don't care. You know, it's not like they had the names of the original Ghostbusters. Yeah. It's they, they were completely different characters. I was okay with that. Then I found out who was directing it, and I thought, all right. I like some of his stuff. I'll give it a chance. Why not? And then after the first preview dropped, I watched the first preview. And just, you know, the original Ghostbusters, as much of a comedy as it was, there was an atmosphere about it. Yeah. There was that grittier, darker... It wasn't a, a movie that we were all there to laugh at. There were laughs. Oh, yeah. But it, was, it, was, it, it really straddled that line between spooky and scary mm-hmm. and comedy. You know, you had the right actors in place. I thought they had the right actors in place for this one. Like, they're all pretty good comedians for the most part. Yep. And sometimes they each have taken turns on wearing on my nerves. <laughs> but but as for actors in other movies, I've liked all that they had done. Yeah, they're experienced actors. They could yeah. So I thought, okay, they, they, they can they can play that role. And it just turned into too silly of a movie for me. It was almost a cartoon. Yeah, it, it was. But even the Ghostbusters cartoon was darker and grittier than that movie. You know what I mean? Like there was... I, I understand like the fervor and the backlash and they really doubled down on a lot of it. But uh, at a certain point in time... Ah, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't co-sign that one. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, figure maybe end off on uh, some shows that well, some movies that shouldn't be remade, rebooted, touched at all. Some of the cult classic favorites that. <laughs> the problem. Well, the problem with cult, touching the cult classics is that you. You well. First off, you already have an audience installed. Yeah. So for a studio to look at a certain franchise and say, hey. This movie already has a set following. We're going to get them, and they're going to love this. Or we're going to love the money. I'm not sure what they're going for. It's got to be a little bit of both. You know, I, you're never really going to appease everybody. The goal is to kind of try to create something new while maintaining the original feel of the first. And there's always going to be detractors. There's always going to be people that are pro it. I mean, I, I, just like Ghostbusters, I met a lot of people that really enjoyed it. It just wasn't my cup of tea. But there are just some things I'd rather not ever see touched. And they're going to touch them. Yeah. Because if you spend five minutes on Google, they're going to tell you all the stuff of yours that they're going to touch. Yeah. Uh, like you and I were talking about earlier, there's plans in the works to remake The NeverEnding Story. Mm. Which in and of itself was not a mind-bending movie that deserves any sort of huge praise except for the fact that it was a movie of my childhood that I love and adore. And I know that I'm not the only one. You know, we're all nerds. We've all watched at least one fantasy movie. If, you, if you've watched any fantasy movie, Never Ending Story was one of those fantasy movies. Yeah, it's kind of the quintessential fantasy movie of 
the 80s, so. It, it was the idea of being a kid, and then you get wrapped up in the fantastical world. I mean, most of us are nerds because of this kind of stuff, and yeah. comics, and all, all the other imagination. Stuff. And imagine exactly. I'm not sure that you can take something like The NeverEnding Story and do anything to it to modernize it, to make it look good without scrapping everything. Yeah. You know, you can CGI the Rock Eater, you can CGI the Luck Dragon, you can... <laughs> You know, maybe the animatronics might be better if they go that route, but I am horrified as to the idea as to what they might come out with with that. You'll have a completely CGI'd uh, Luck Dragon voice by Will Smith or something. Oh, it, it's just, I'm just not even, uh, I mean, I, I'm slowly begrudging accepting the uh, Disney remakes, because now that Disney's pretty much out of ideas, we're just going to do a live action version of everything. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. You so know, far I've, it's been doing pretty well. They, they, well, they, they haven't been awful. No. Right? They really, really haven't been awful. It just seems... To me, I get a chuckle out of the fact that we're going from... these. This is our animated library. We really have nothing going on. So here's a completely similar library with real-time actors. Yeah. And uh, the latest one, I know that um, Aladdin's coming out, mm-hmm. being directed by Guy Ritchie. Oh. Of, of all the Disney movies I really want to see... Aladdin by Guy Ritchie is probably going to be the one I'm going to go see. If I want to see <laughs> what Guy Ritchie can do with a Disney movie. Yeah. But the other one uh, that just popped up on the radar that should be, that I think they're casting for right now, is Mulan. Okay. And Mulan was, to, I think, and I could be wrong, and I'm sure we'll have a lot of people correcting me for, if anything, because that's what we want to do. Mulan was the first Disney movie where somebody died, where there was killing because there was a war. It was the, the, the dynasty. There were wars fought, there were swords used, and people got cut. I don't think Disney can do a live-action version with people getting stabbed with swords. <laughs> I don't think they want to do a live-action version with people getting stabbed with swords. It might be under Miramax or something. It, it could very well be, but Miramax presents Mulan. Like that's, that's a Disney name, man. It'd be a tough one because you need the Disney name to kind of sell it still. Even without the Disney name, we all know where Mulan came from. Yeah. You know, you you could have Guy Ritchie's Aladdin by whatever studio you want to slap a new name on it. We're all going to look at that Aladdin and then turn around over our shoulder and look at Disney's Aladdin because we know that's Aladdin. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's a real, real fine line to work. You can have different studios, but the source material, we know where it came from. So yeah, back to uh, <laughs> cult classics that shouldn't be touched and all that. They are um, making a third Scarface. Yeah, I heard about that too. Um, but it, it's not really a remake or a reboot though. It's kind of a... Well, the, the movies themselves are all based off of one novel. Yeah. But the two initial movies, the 19, I want to say 30, 1931 Scarface. Can't remember without even checking on my phone. As, as well as the 1980s Scarface, which is like the... When you say Scarface, that's exactly where people are going to go. They're going to go to the Al Pacino Scarface. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were essentially two different movies. Yeah. The characters were completely different. The source material was completely different. The drugs were completely different. <laughs> I think, you know, why not Why not update it? That, that's kind of one I can I can stomach being updated. As, mu- as much as I love uh, the 1980s Scarface. Yeah. No, that one would be uh, probably all right to kind of... If it was put in the right hands. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. it could probably be done right. Movies I don't want to see touched, though. Like, we've already been told that they're probably never going to do a remake or reboot of Back to the Future, which is perfect. Like, leave that series alone. I'm happy with that. I'm not sure they'd ever be able to get away with that. I'm not sure you could touch that without there just being riots in the street. 
Well, like uh, Ivan Reitman, mm-hmm. he uh, he says he's never gonna allow a remake of it. They somebody's got to put their foot down. Yeah, I mean it's not like that franchise doesn't still make some form of money. Exactly, you and I mean? part of it is like how goofy the DeLorean looked. Like that's why it's still selling today. Like today, like back then it was selling because it was you had Michael J. Fox, which was a big name back in the eighties and nineties. And he was able to sell the movies, and the concept of time travel was kind of cool. Now it's kind of that nostalgic kind of look at this, yeah, metal DeLorean with a, a coffee maker on the top. That well, even then, the DeLorean itself was a part of a sight gag in the series. Yeah, I mean, I what was uh, the 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 Pontiac Aztec? It's about the goofiest vehicle <laughs> we've had in the last, you know, twenty thirty years uh, outside outside of the DeLorean. PT Cruiser. Oh yeah, there there was that dark time in our past of the PT Cruiser. This is true, but I mean, but it was part of a sight gag, and, and like you said, it was it was it was a joke. It was there. There's no way that you're really going to capture that again. We just kind of cars are just a commodity now. We don't really think about it one way or the other as much as we would have. Let's say the eighties was a big a big car time. Mm-hmm. You were transitioning from the big muscle cars into the more compact cars and jazz. And the DeLorean was one of the first attempts at that silliness. Yeah. Oh, as you know what I'm I'm a happy man as long as they're not touching the Goonies. The day the day I see a Goonies remake in, in, in the works I, I thought am, I heard rumors about that. I hope it's just a rumor and nothing more than that. I thought I did. I, I, I could were... see why they might want to touch it, but I'm not sure that uh... There was a rumor that they were gonna bring back some of the old cast or something like that. Oh yeah, that's gonna go well. <laughs> I mean you can feed into the nostalgia all you want at the end of the day. Uh I'm not sure that works. Yeah. You're pretty much just gonna get uh Sean Aston there getting killed again by whatever uh, monster from the <laughs> the uh, Stranger Things series. <laughs> like he well, just yeah yeah no, I I don't see that I don't see them doing well with that reboot. No, you know the, the problem is with a lot of reboots is is they they really want to play off that nostalgia factor. Yeah, you know Ghostbusters what a good was a good example of that. It's, exactly. it's, it's like hey do you remember this? Hey do you remember this? Like, I could remember that without you showing me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, it's like with Universal and their Dark Universe reboot and all their franchises. It's like, hey, you know, look at this, and then look at this over here. It's like, we, we're well aware. We are aware that yeah. those things are things. We don't need to be showing them. You know, stand on your own two feet. We, we can remember the nostalgia while we watch your movie. Yeah. And... Just a uh, pile on for movies that shouldn't be touched. Uh, just one of the ones that just came to mind there is uh, The Crow. Like, it shouldn't be touched at all. No, and it's coming out in 2018, I think, but I don't know how, how definitive that date is. I hope it uh, doesn't go through. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time seeing them replicate the kind of the dark kind of feel that The Crow was able to pull off the first two times. Yeah, but the thing is, like, a lot of people nowadays aren't really down with the dark feel. Yeah. You know, DC keeps dipping back in that pool, and it just keeps blowing up every time they try to touch it. Nobody's, everybody's looking for a happier movie. Yeah. You know, they're looking for a brighter concept. They're, the dark, gritty thing works, but ah, I'm not sure there's an audience for it right now. I think a lot of people forget the uh, failed TV series for The Crow, where it kind of was off to an okay start, but it kind of ultimately lost lost out just because it's hard to keep that dark feeling going over a prolonged time without it just being just a depressing experience. Exactly. 
Exactly. It's one thing to get a two-hour shot of darkness. It's another thing to tune in for your weekly darkness. Yeah. Weekly weekly shot of depression. I mean, even Walking Dead is nothing. They're doing everything in the daytime. <laughs> it's yeah. always nice and pleasant. Yeah, and there's fewer and fewer zombies. Well, slowly but surely. we yeah. got to bring the zombies back. Yeah. So, I think we can all agree that maybe uh, a lot of uh, the stuff in the 80s should be left alone. If only for my generation. Once <laughs> once we're out of here, they can start remaking everything. Just I just politely ask that everybody waits until I'm off the picture. Yeah. And uh, anything Stallone, like uh, Judge Dredd there, should just be forgotten. Don't touch anything that Arnold's ever touched. Um, <laughs> like Total Recall. Like They were good. I tried to watch the remake of Total Recall. I just couldn't uh, The originals were, were good because you expected that kind of campiness that cheese that that's right Arnold eventually developed into um but then you also get like remakes like the predator and stuff that they just kind of go with a different story but now it sounds like they're going to actually reboot the original predator at this point I think they said I'm comfortable with that yeah I mean, it's yeah, not we'll the golden calf for me I, mean, I like the predator yeah predator 2 kind of fell out for me predators was uh, so so alien covenant it. was just See, this I didn't. Morning. I didn't watch Alien Covenant. Don't. I. I couldn't. Uh, it was. It was just one of those. Eventually, it will end up on Netflix, and then my uh, my ten dollar a month fee will be be <laughs> worth it. Yeah. One of the great things about the Alien series was like, they're all just people in suits. It was again a physical thing. Yep. Um. And now Alien Covenant was just all CG. Just lost it. Yeah. It's, it's what happens. It's like it's like like we said. You you take away that physical medium. You just take away. I don't know what it is, man. There's, the, I'm sure there's a word for it. I'm sure someone can tell me what that word is. But when you when you take that out, you just, I don't know, man. It's it's like listening to to an overproduced piece of music. It just yeah. maybe we'll develop some film study fans out there that can tweet at us what we're uh, trying to the word the, we're thinking the, of here. <laughs> that that one word that we're looking for that we're just trying to describe aimlessly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if you don't have any more. Thoughts to bring up? And, uh, no, nothing without me devolving into crying about the remakes that they're making and <laughs> yeah. begging them not to touch certain films. Yeah, well, Nobody needs to listen to that. We'll hold our breath and we'll hope out that uh, some of the remakes that are coming down the pipeline are going to be good, but uh, well, we won't hold our breath for that long. So. Well, I think it's good to approach everything with an open mind. Yeah. You know, Just because they're remaking something or rebooting something doesn't mean that it's going to be an atrocity. <laughs> doesn't exactly. mean that it's going to be great either, but it's sometimes it's best to see to see something and you know, make your own opinions. You can go to Rotten Tomatoes all you want, but if you're going to let somebody else speak for your flavor of movies, eh, you're really enjoying the movies. Yeah. All right, well, that wraps up this conversation, so see you guys next time. And that does it for episode number one. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can find us on Twitter, at Nerdium Podcast. You can find me, Carrie, at The Big Bald Nerd. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Drop us a line, let us know what you think, let us know what you'd like us to cover. Let us know what you'd like to hear Matt be wrong about and me be right about. It also wouldn't be right unless we gave credit where credit is due. I'd like to thank Matt for all his hard work. Without him, there's no way this podcast would be able to go. I'm Carrie, the Big Bald Nerd at Nerdium, saying have a great night, guys, and we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.